thank you, Lauren. I realize we haven't stated the obvious. Um, if, if you're here to vote today, you didn't miss the election. That's going to happen at the very end. We kind of forgot to announce that. Um, but I uh, wanted to make you aware of that and uh, let you know you didn't miss it, but we'll take care of that in a little bit. Well, this text today, for us, it, it seems pretty simple, right? I mean, we've probably heard this before if you've spent much time in church. This text from Isaiah, He was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our sins, and the punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. That's pretty much what this text says. We read this, and here we are in the year 2021, and we pretty much know it's about Jesus, right? I mean, the text makes it clear that Jesus bore this punishment on our behalf, and the text is clear. The judgment wasn't about Jesus. It wasn't that the servant had done something wrong, but rather that we had done something wrong, right? And he bore that on our behalf. It, it's pretty explicit. You see, judgment was on us and not him, yet he took the punishment. And to me, that just doesn't seem very just. But it was. It seems to me that Jesus kind of got the rough end of that deal, don't you think? He didn't do anything wrong, but he's the one that was punished. This scripture also tells us that it was the Lord's will to have him crushed. And what do we do with that? So that others may be led to life through his death? But honestly, to me, this sounds like gospel. This sounds like good news, right? Through the death of Christ, we may live and give life to others? Wow! Not only that, it sounds like gospel, but to me it sounds like the gospels, right? Isn't that essentially what the gospels say? It sounds to me like maybe some New Testament writing. But that can't be right. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is in Isaiah, right? Old Testament. The left side of the book, if you, you know, open it from the middle. So what do we do with this? Is this prophecy? Is this fortune-telling? Did someone get insight into the decisions of God and just so happened to spill the beans? What do we do with the fact that we know before it happens? Have you seen the 1993 classic with Bill Murray, Groundhog Day? I wasn't going to say it, but I have to say it. I wasn't born yet. Let's keep going. <laughs> I'm going to make that joke every single time. But for us younger ones, if in case you haven't seen it, Bill Murray's a weatherman, and he's sent on mission to report on good old Punxsutawney Phil. Much to his surprise, he has to do the same thing the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that. He just it keeps reliving the same day. Which, what an awful day to repeat because if there's one thing in our society that doesn't make sense, it's Groundhog Day, right? I mean, it really doesn't make any difference if the groundhog sees a shadow or not. The weather's going to do what the weather's going to do, but for some reason, oh, it's Groundhog Day. Woo-hoo. My dad sends me a card every year. <laughs> not really, but he does send a text and he celebrates. But Bill Murray has to live the same day over and over and over, and it's as if time is just kind of standing still. Or what about the 1996 classic Christmas Every Day? I was born then. Christmas Every Day. Have you seen this one? (sighs) Carolyn, I thought for sure you'd be the one that would have seen this one. (laughs) I think it is. 
But this one tells the story of a guy named Billy Jackson and his nightmare of a Christmas. You see, he tries to convince his little sister that, that Santa Claus isn't real, and she knows that that's heresy. And so she responds by not believing him. She doesn't believe his message. And, and her wish and response is, I wish it could be Christmas every day. Well, then Billy spends the rest of the movie reliving Christmas over and over and over. Because it's kind of like he's missed out on that. Um, well, maybe, maybe. Of course, I wasn't born for this one either. But hopefully you've seen the 1905 classic, Back to the Future. Our friends, Marty McFly and Doc Brown. You know, in the first movie, they go back to 1955, and, and Marty runs into his parents, and, and then he kind of makes some mistakes, and it's like his parents never met, and so he starts just evaporating into thin air, and then he fixes the mistake, and his parents fall in love, and his future is restored, and he's alive again. Makes sense, right? Well, then they made a sequel to Back to the Future, Back to the Future Part 2, and in that one... Marty goes into the future, to a year way off in the future that was 2015. And, uh, and if, if you remember, in that movie, they had hoverboards. They had shoes that automatically tightened. They were like electronic shoes, so we didn't need shoelaces anymore. Uh, and don't forget the flying cars. And they got really close. They picked that the Cubs would win the World Series that year, and they were off by just one year. The, the Cubs did end up winning it in 16, but... In, in that movie, Marty gets to meet his children, but later on in life, and they have misadventures there. And then they came out with a part three to Back to the Future, and we all know once you get to the third, it's just not as good, but you get the gist. You see, Hollywood has done some serious work to imagine some unique things about time, right? In all actuality, I really think that these things could help us understand this scripture today. Once again, I, I, I don't think our text today is very complicated. We read it for what it is and what it says. If you're new to church, this text could seem a little bit out there. But I think no matter how long you've been around, we can all pose this same question. Of how are we reading about Jesus in such detail in the Old Testament? And, and I think as Christians, we just kind of come to accept it and we're okay with it. But I think this is something that's really hard for new believers because we don't really talk about it. We, well, how did we know what was going to happen before it happened? And, you know, we just kind of accept it. But new believers, these are good questions to ask, but we don't really talk about them. So I think first what we need to do today to tackle that question, we need to affirm some things that we believe about God to really help us engage with this question. Well, we believe what Scripture says. So we believe that God was in the beginning because the beginning of the Bible kind of tells us that, right? Then John 1 helps us with the fact that God has always been. And Colossians tells us that in him and through him, being Christ, that all things were made. But then we run into a question there, right? Okay, but what about the fact that Jesus is born in the middle of the book? How are all things created through him who comes in the middle of the story? Doesn't the creator kind of have to be at the beginning? Oh, and not to mention that our text in Isaiah says that what Jesus did on the cross is the will of God. So the will of God, again, is in the middle of the story. So we have people before that and we have people after that. 
Are you confused yet? If not, you may think that I'm trying to confuse you, and I'm really not. I'm just trying to pose questions that you've had throughout your study and through your life as, as a believer. But what I do want us to do today is to acknowledge the fact that when it comes to time in the Bible, we run into some pretty confusing situations. If you agree, nod your head. I'm not the only one who feels this way. Okay, strange things, right? I'm going to sound a little bit philosophical today, but please don't let me lose you. And if I lose you, raise your hand and we'll throw you a life vest because we have enough on the boat for everyone. All right, so here we go. I want to pose another question. When Isaiah was written, do you think that God was seeing the future or was God seeing the present? Again, please don't zone out here. This, this, this is good news for us today. It really is. To us, it really seems that God was seeing the future and, and informing a servant about it, right? And then they write it down. But I want to challenge that thinking just a little bit today. You see, all through the scriptures, we find instances where God is not really constricted by time. You remember when that guy died, that guy named Lazarus? You know what happened? They, the, the family came and, and Jesus, you got to come, you got to come. But what happens when God shows up? What does the family tell him? You're too late. God was late. Isn't that kind of interesting? All right? Or as the, the people of God wandered in the, in the wilderness, as we've talked about these last few weeks, it took them 40 years to make a journey that should have never taken them anywhere near 40 years. So what happened? Did God get distracted and just kind of forget, oh yeah, I, I got to point them in the right direction. You see, in scripture, I do believe that, that we find that time doesn't really seem to, to limit or hinder or even challenge God. It also seems that God acts in such a way that God is always aware that there is more time. We've talked the last, I've mentioned several times in the last few weeks about this liturgy of abundance. God always believes that there's more and there's enough. I mean, God can take off after six days of work and pause, and God believes that on Monday we'll get back to work. I think God thinks there's enough time. Okay, so what am I getting at? Well, you see that I believe that God does not experience time in the same way that we do. There are some scriptures that point us to this, but I think these stories from scripture help us to get in a story and see that. You know, it just seems like God does not experience time in this same linear fashion that we do, right? We see time from beginning to end. But in Scripture, what does God say? He says that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Well, how are you the beginning if you're the end? How are you both? These aren't crazy questions. These are just things we don't talk about. So there's a theologian named Robert Jensen, and I really don't want to bore you with this, but he, he really has helped me with this concept of time and God and what do we do with it. You see, I'm, I'm not saying that time is not linear. Time is not a beginning and an end. 
But what Robinson really leans into in looking in Scripture is the fact that time really seems to be different for us and for God. Because essentially what Jensen says is, God in the beginning was Father, Spirit, Son, and needed someone to love, needed other. And so out of that love of other, we were created in time as we know it was. Again, not to bore you, but I I think this is important. So I say this, God is God, and I believe that God is present at all times. And to God, all time is the present. Now we can really go deep into this, but again, I want you to stay with me. God is God, and knew that we needed a way in which to measure life as we get to experience it as humans. So what does this mean? Church, I believe that God and God's infinite wisdom, wisdom as a means of grace invited us to participate in God's life through this thing that we call time. This doesn't mean that God is confined by our time, but rather that we are, and it's probably the best for us. I think God knew what God was doing. You know how I keep saying that all is gift, everything is gift? Well, today... Time is a gift. And I think we've heard this our whole lives, that each moment is a gift, and I believe that that's true. But I want to take that even a step further today. But I think that the very fact that God allows us to participate in God's life through this measuring stick called time is a pretty great gift. You see, I think time is one of the things that distinguishes the fact that God is God and we are not. (laughs) The fact that I'm up here maybe just confusing you is kind of on purpose because it's to serve as that reminder that, that God is God and operates in a way that God does and we are not. All right, so if you, if you did zone out, come back in. Here we go. Here's how this is good news for us today. Because, because God's not confined by our human thinking of time as a straight line of beginning and end, God is already present in the future. God is already present in the future. This is exciting and excellent news for us. We as a church do not have to look into our tomorrow and hope that God meets us there. But rather, we belong to a God that's already present in our future and is waiting there and ready to be faithful in every way that God has promised. To quote one of my mentors, one of my professors at Treveca, he started off one of our church history classes with this sentence, and he never explained it. He just said it, and he kept going. But I wrote it down. He said, When we look into our future, we run into our past that is embracing us with open arms. Dr. Hoskins stared at our very first church history class, and we looked back confused. When we look into our future, we run into our past that is embracing us with open arms. So what in the world did he mean? It's taken me years, 
and I continue to ponder this thought. But I'm convinced that God's not bound by linear time. And God has been faithful in our past and is just as present now in our future as he was in our past. So what's in our past? A faithful God. What's in our present? A faithful God. And what is in our future? A faithful God who was pierced for our transgressions, who was crushed for our sins, and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds today, church, we are healed. And this is good news. So is this about the Messiah prophecy? Sure. To us it was. How did God know? Because I believe that God was already present in God's preferred future. This does not take away our belief of free will either. I want to squash that bug real fast. Because once again, our will is a gift. And so just the fact that God is present in our future does not mean that we can't make choices in the future. But it means that God is already there. This serves as a reminder to us today of how gracious God is. That God would make God's self vulnerable to allow us to be part of God's life through this gift that we call time. And as we look ahead to the days to come here at GFCN, let me tell you something. God is waiting in God's future. God is ready to be faithful. God is present now and God is present there. And as we experience God through this gift we call time, there's no need to rush it because God's never been in a hurry because God is already in tomorrow and in yesterday. If I've confused you completely, please hear me out. God is God. God is not confined by the way that we view time. But thanks be to God that God is present in the fullness of time. And God truly is the Alpha and the Omega who invited us into life through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I hope you hear my heart this morning. I'm not trying to explain God. I'm not. But I'm trying to get us to wrestle with this idea that When people read scripture, these are the things they think about. If you grew up in the church, you probably don't even consider this. But what do we do when we teach someone about Jesus and they start reading the scriptures and then they read John chapter 1 that says that by him and through him all things were made and in him nothing nothing was made that has been made. What do we do with that? And I hope this doesn't just make you all confused and not want to think about it. But I hope that you're hearing the good news today that we don't have to figure it out. That if truly that we believe in the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus, and that from there all things came into being, then linear time for us is just a gift. A gift from God to measure our today and our tomorrow in a way that our minds can comprehend.
It's a gift for us to participate in what God is already present in. And for us, that's good news. And then this week, in preparing and thinking about this, the same song kept coming to my head. And I kept wrestling with it because it's about time. And I kept wrestling with it and thinking, hmm, does that oppose everything I just said? And then I thought, no. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I trust him, more love he bestows. Each day is like heaven, my heart overflows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. And he gets sweeter every day. Where where did this come from? (laughs) He gets sweeter each and every day because of the gift of time that we've been given to learn more and more. But it's not that God is getting bigger and better each and every day, but it's that we're embracing this gift called time that we learn more and more about this God that continues to get sweeter and sweeter with each and every day. Would you pray with me? Oh, gracious God, Thank you for the limits that you've put on our human minds. Thank you for the fact that we can't stand here and explain you today. But God, today, may the messiness of this message be good news for us. That you and your infinite wisdom knew that we could not understand time in the way that you do. But you made it in such a way that we could experience you abundantly and fully and in all of your grace and majesty and splendor. Lord, today, we might have more questions about this. We might not quite understand, and that's okay. There's more time. We can talk about it some more. But God, today, in this crazy and hectic world that we live in, through transition in the church, through craziness in our country, we give you praise for the fact that you are waiting on us in the future already. You're there, and you're present. And God, as we look back over our lives, we realize that you were always present, that you've always been faithful. So Lord, as we move forward into our tomorrow as individuals and as a church, as your body. God, may we recognize that that we don't have to hope that you show up. We don't have to get there and invite you, but rather, God, that you are there and waiting for us to commune with you. So God, may we just take a deep breath today and inhale your grace and exhale your praise. And know that it's going to be okay. And we give you thanks today. The fact that you are pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our sins is something that we could never repay. 
And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for that. We thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for tomorrow. And it's in your matchless grace and mercy that we pray these things. Amen.